Praise the Lord. Thank you, Kiana. We have to get this right. Uh, you heard the gospel of Jesus first through Kelly and then John and others. Then Myra Nolan mentored you, and now you're mentoring her daughter. This is a great story. Give praise to God. So thankful already for this morning. But now we have the opportunity to hear our Father's word found in the Gospel of John. Uh, For those who are coming for the first time, this is what we're looking at throughout the Advent season, the four weeks. And we come back again. We're looking just at 18 verses in the four weeks. And today we come to the third Sunday of Advent. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. John chapter 1 will begin with verse 1. Let us stand so that we may hear the word of our Father. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it so there came a man who was sent from john god his name was john he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe he himself was not the light he came only as a witness to the light for the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world Then verse 15, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of words. I'm going to use a lot of words to do that, about the power of words. I'm guessing that there may have been a time in our lives when we were younger that we didn't think that words had all that much power. Uh, Do you remember back uh, that kind of playground taunt? Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words, words will never hurt me. Now, as I look around, for those of us who are older, we know how ridiculous that was, right? Because long after those physical wounds caused by sticks and stones have been healed, the emotional, relational wounds caused by cruel words continue to hurt, right? I am guessing that if we had the time in a church so large to to listen to one another's stories, each one of us could tell us about words that were spoken abusive, cruel, hard words that were spoken to us that we wonder if we're ever going to heal from that situation. 
uh, people are beginning to learn how powerful words really are. In fact, there's a website, I put a little bit of it up, up here for you to see, talking about the new expanded power of words ebook. Talking about the power of words to manipulate our thinking and control our behavior. I'll tell you about this website. You don't have to pull it up, but you, uh, you, you can learn about it. Essentially, in trying to get you to buy into this, it says that when people get their own way with others, the way they do it is with words. What they do is they, they get others to agree with their point of view, to give them what they want, to do what they ask, and to buy whatever they're selling. That's happening at the, our Christmas season, right? Words being used, trying to manipulate us to do what others do for their benefit. And this whole website's goal is to help warn us about these words that are spoken that will get us to become like others and do what they want us to do. And, and it, it kind of purports to say to, to help us, but the reality is we learn how to manipulate others. It is, it is so negative, really, talking about how words can, can just destroy. Today I want to talk about the other side. The opportunity that God has given us through this gift of speech, the gift of words, to make a positive difference in the lives of people. That actually God has made it so that we can use words, a part of his gift to us as human beings, to bring, what can I say, real life, healing, hope, eternal blessing to people. And that's what the gospel of John is all about. I've been trying to say a man named John a long time ago said, I've met somebody who changed my life for the better, <laughs> who changed my life and helped me at last to begin to live. And at the end of the life, his life, he uses words to talk about him. And he tells us why in John chapter 20, verse 31, he says, these things I've written so that you too may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That, that Jesus is the Son of God. Because when you hear this and you believe in Him, you also are going to find life in His name. John somehow is convinced that this message of Jesus wouldn't just change his life, but had the chance of changing every human being's life in this entire world if only they could hear about it. But, but the big question is, on this Sunday of Advent, is how on earth did it make it from that little place 2,000 years ago. How did this message make it from angels to shepherds to make it to Pasadena, California? How did it get to Southern California in 2007? Have you ever asked yourself that question? How did that message of a person who lived so long ago in a place so remote from us make it to you and me? That, that's a question I'm often rather obsessed with. You've heard me talk about it before, and I will again. I suppose we, we, we could stop for a moment and say, how do we learn about any person who's lived in the past? Uh, I thought, okay, here we are in the United States. Uh, do you think that there ever was a person named George Washington who lived? How on earth do we find out about that? I suppose we could say you learn about it through the impact of his life. We live in a major nation like the United States, and we think, by common sense, there must have been some beginning to this, right? And there must have been a founder or some sort of first leader or some sort of first president. So we know something 
about a person who must have been the first president simply through the impact of what he's done, that there is a nation like ours. But we don't know much about him, right? How do we know anything about somebody who lived so long ago when I, I don't think too many of us lived when he was... Chuck Olson, you didn't live when George Washington... <laughs> No, no, I don't think so. How did we learn? And the answer is, it's so simple. Through words that have been passed on from generation to generation. Uh, We heard it in our homes, uh, as as our family members would tell us at certain times at President's Weekend about a George Washington. We heard it in school as we took history class. We read it in the books. Our teachers talked about it. And then we even had to reproduce it on a test, right? We heard it in documentaries, maybe on the History Channel. So I am guessing that the majority of us who have shown up at Lake Avenue Church on this Sunday morning believe that there really was a George Washington, first president of the United States. All right, let's pull this back into what John is trying to say. John is trying to say someone lived, someone really lived, who made a difference in my life and made a difference in this world. Light came into darkness. And he can transform everyone's life. How do we find out about it? Verses 3 through 5, in in what we looked at last week, we we can learn about it through the impact of what he has done. All things were made by him. Without him there is nothing except that which was made through him. So that we can look at this world, and as we had Dr. Michael Ressler give his testimony, as we look at this world, we see something of the maker of this world through what he has made. He must be powerful. There must be some sense of order and purpose and design. However, to know him personally, we come again and and John will say to us, one of the main ways that you and I learn about God is through human words passing on the message. Through human words passing on the message. That's what we're going to think about this morning. I want to ask three questions about it as we turn to verses uh, 6 through 9 and then we'll look again at 15 through 18. First question I have is, why do we need human messengers? Why do we need human words so that you and I can live the way we're supposed to live? Why do we need someone to tell us something that is true about someone who can change our lives so that we might even know God in a personal way? Uh, Or I, I subtitled it, this message started with an angel, but now it has been passed on to others. It went to shepherds, and after the shepherds started, it's mostly been human beings who've talked about it. Look at verse 5 with me, what leads on to this story of John the Baptist. There is a light that shines in this world. It shines in this dark world, pointing us to another way to live, uh, pointing us to God. But the darkness, when the light shines, has not understood it. And then comes this little phrase in verse 6. So there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Now, visitors, you don't know, I came straight to Lake Avenue Church out of the academy. I was in a school before coming here. So often when I go into the library and I read what scholars have written about texts like these, you know what some scholars say about this text? They say, this this doesn't fit. It should go straight from verse 9 to verse 10. The darkness hasn't understood it. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't understand him. Some people say that maybe it was carried in sort of like scrolls and And somehow an extra scroll was thrown in there (laughs) because it just seems to be inserted. Oh, there came a person that I want to tell you about uh, who came from God. His name was John. Well, let me tell you something. 
I don't think this was inserted later. And I'll tell you why. It just flows so directly. John is saying, I want to tell you about someone who can change your life. He made everything. But there's some reason why even though God is and and God shines in this world, most of us don't know him by ourselves. And why we need some help to know how to live and to know God. And so he sent someone to bring us a message. Now, why is it that we need a clear message about how to live and about God? Now, here's the bad news. Are you ready for it? I know you don't want to come to a nine o'clock service for, for bad news, but sometimes you've got to hear the bad news in order to love the good news. You want to know what the bad news is? The reason why we don't know how to live well on our own. The reason why when we direct our own lives, just live the way we want to, we just keep seeing them go down and down and down. The reason why we don't know God naturally without some help is there's something wrong with us. Is that a shock to you? You go look. It's not just your pastor. There's something wrong with him, too. But go look in the mirror. There's just something fundamentally flawed about each one of us. God, who is perfect, made this world, made human beings in his image. But in Genesis chapter three, just read that story. People turned away from God, It started with the very first people. And it continues on today. Isaiah would say all of us, all of us like sheep. It's not a very positive thing to say about us. all of us like sheep. But we've gone astray. We have walked our own way. We have turned aside. From God to our own ways and we've led others astray as well and it's happened for generation after generation after generation so that even though God is perfect and God is in this world and God has a way that we should live we don't know him apart from God seeking us and making himself known to us uh, I wonder um, did you ever come to a point where you just had to say there is something wrong with me Remember last week's testimony. He's here this morning, so I can keep picking on him. Dr. Ressler was saying he, it came, he became aware of this when he was so young when he realized that he had become quite skillful at stealing the cookies that his mother had made <laughs> that he knew he shouldn't steal. But he's going to take them anyway. It's just that awareness. What's wrong with me? What's, I remember, I'm sure I became aware earlier, but as I thought back to this on my own, and I've shared this with a few of you already. But I became aware of it one, one time when at Christmas season, my, my parents gave to us just a small amount of money to go out and buy gifts. I had an older brother, and we would always go out and play basketball, but we only played it because my brother loved me, because he didn't like basketball. But I did. And our basketball was absolutely worn out. So that year, as I gave my present to my brother, and he opened it up, You're ahead of me here. He opened up that basketball from his brother and he flipped it to him and he said, great present, Greg. I just remember going up to my room and I said, what's wrong with me? Why? 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 I don't know exactly how I thought about it. I just realized that something about me was not the way it was supposed to be. Selfish self-centered, to have done something like that I knew was wrong. Have you become aware of that? And as we grow older in our opportunities to destroy our own lives and destroy our 
world increase, we have to acknowledge there is bad news. And now let me tell you some good news. God knows about us and loves us anyway. God has made us to know him and knows that because of our sin, we do not. And so what God does is he seeks us and he sends us human messengers to bring his message of hope and good news to us. For those of you who are believers, take out your worship folder just a minute. And would you put somewhere on there maybe the initials of the first person you can remember bringing the message of Jesus to you? If that person's still alive, you know what one of the greatest things you can do with your words? Give that person a call. Drop that person a note simply to say thank you. Why are human messengers needed? Because of our problem. We need help. We need a clear word about the fact that God is here, that he loves us, and that we can know him. Our sins can be forgiven and our lives can be remade. We live in a world in which it's so confusing, even at Christmas season. We we can hardly sort out between Santa Claus and reindeer and Jesus at the manger. So we need to come into this place and just hear a clear word. God loves you. But you need to give your sins and your life to him. And when you do, you will find forgiveness and hope. Well, I'd better move on. Second, what is it then that human messengers do? What words do we focus on when we we communicate a message of hope? Or the the subtitle I had is, what are we as Christians? Are we mainly philosophers? Are, Are we mainly scholars? Are we mainly kind of spiritual mystics with supernatural kind of experiences? Look at verse 7. Look at what he says about John the Baptist. John, the author of the gospel, tells us about a different John named John the Baptist. That one came as a witness concerning that light. So that through that witness, all people might believe. Now, he wasn't the light, verse 8. He was a witness to the light. Now, it's pretty clear he keeps driving it home. John the Baptist used his words to be a witness. Uh, I, I know for churchgoers that word witness has taken on religious connotations, but it really wasn't originally a church word. You know what? The word primarily was used in the first century and still is in many arenas in our world, a courtroom term. It was one of John's favorite words, 47 times in the Gospel of John. Will you read it it through and count and see if I'm right? 47 times he uses this word that we are to be a witness. You know what a witness does? We, We simply tell something that we know. We simply tell something that we know. Uh, That's what John was saying. I met him. Verse 14. We saw him. And I'm just telling you what we saw. What difference he made in our lives. So, So what are we primarily? People who have had a genuine experience with God. Who tell people about what he's done for us. It's what Kiana did for us today. Kelly used her words uh, to talk to Kiana. And I'm sure John Wilson as, as he was here, used words to try to clearly say, this, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done for me. I don't know about you, but this is for me so freeing. It is just so freeing. 
that we, as followers of Jesus, are not primarily called to be great philosophers. Now, get me right. As we grow in our faith, hopefully we'll come to understand this faith more fully and can help people to understand it and the philosophy behind it more fully. But that's not primarily what we are. And I'm so thankful that God raises up philosophers to to articulate this faith in Jesus Christ and why it makes sense. And in fact, I think John was one of those. You know, I love the way he thinks and the way that he, he wrote as God inspired him. Moreover, we are not primarily defenders of what we believe. So we have to figure out some way. They'll, they're going to ask me a hard question and I have to pr- figure out some way uh, to defend what I don't even understand myself. We're not called, we're not even called upon primarily to be these kind of spiritual mystics that uh, that have supernatural kinds of experience. We are people who have acknowledged our problem. We brought our sins to God. He has taken them away. And we've begun to have a real relationship with God, the maker of the universe uh, through faith in Jesus. What are we mainly? We're mainly witnesses. And the, the Gospel of John talks about it. It says that God the Father is a witness to who Jesus is. Uh, later it will even say Jesus uses his words to give witness to his own identity. Uh, chapters 14 and 16 talk about the Holy Spirit will give witness to us about who Jesus is. But mostly it's people. Mostly it's people. And one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite ones is in John chapter 9. Uh, it, it's a blind man who was healed by Jesus on the Sabbath. Do you know this story? If you read it within its culture, it's just so much fun. He was healed on the Sabbath, and all of these religious leaders, now, I know it was first century, so it loses some of its bang for us, but this was a scandal. I'll tell you, the heal on the Sabbath, so all of these great scholars and thinkers came up to this man who'd been healed and tried to help them. Why do you think you should have been healed on the Sabbath? You know, that's not supposed to be, and to try to defend that. And do you remember what he said? I don't understand all of that. All I can tell you is this. I was blind. Now I'm seeing. And eventually said, and he did it. (laughs) I was blind. And now I can see. And eventually as he got to meet him, and he did it. And that's what you and I are called upon to do. If, If it's really, we're not called upon. To tell people about experiences we've never had. We're not called upon to, to sort of promote our own perfection that's not yet arrived. We are called upon to give witness to what God has done in our lives. Even as Kiana did so powerfully. And, and that is such a freeing thing. Because if we were primarily philosophers, then what would happen is people would compare. Is that philosophy better than this one? We're just talking about sort of supernatural kind of mystic experiences people would compare one experience with another but but what gives power to this message is something happened in history that has been passed on people's lives have been changed uh people's lives have been changed and uh now we have to know what to do with that do you believe the testimony or not these these biblical writers were they lying to us were they crazy people Or was this message about who Jesus is true? As so many of us stand in front of people and say, this is simply, I was blind and now I see. And and he did it and I know he can do it for you if you'll trust him. What people are called upon is either to believe it or not to believe it. Right? To believe it or not to believe it. Because the primary responsibility 
for us with our words is simply to give witness to what God has done in our lives. We can do that. Which brings me to the third question. And this one is so simple. It's about as simple a message as you'll probably ever hear. What is it that human messengers proclaim? What, what is the focus of our words? Or my subtitle is, is this about me? Or is it about my church? Uh, who is it about when you come here? What should be the centerpiece of what you hear here? And as you try to tell people about how they can really live, what should be the focus of those words? Verse 15, John testified concerning him. John cried out saying, this is the one. This is he of whom I said, he who comes after me really has surpassed me. So I'm not talking about myself because he was before me. I I have to tell you a church story. I remember hearing this when I was a little boy going to church. And I bet all of you have heard it, but it just fits here so perfectly. There was a southern preacher. There's a southern preacher who everybody was saying that all of his sermons were just not connecting, especially with the younger people. So he had to do something. So he called all the children up for a children's message. And he thought, OK, I've got to engage them in their world instead of just starting to teach the Bible. So he looked at them and he had all the children in front of him. He said, all right, I want to ask you a question. What is it that is um, brown or sometimes gray or red and it jumps around in trees and it likes nuts? Hmm. Children were absolutely silent. Couldn't figure it out. He said, why can't I connect? Okay, children, this isn't so hard, he said. Uh, You know, you've seen these before. It's brown and sometimes it's red, sometimes gray and small and it jumps around in trees and it likes nuts. What what is that? Still, children are absolutely silent. Uh, Children, he said, somebody must know the answer to this. These little animals you probably have outside your house, they're all over the place. They jump around in trees and they're brown or gray or or, or, or sometimes red. They they gather nuts. What what is that? Finally, one little boy is often in trouble. Michael, in the back of the the section, said, raised his hand. Oh, good. Mike, what was it? Well, preacher, we're in church, so all of us know that the answer is Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. (laughs) There's something about that that just fits this. What is it that we talk about in that particular church? They must not have gone far wrong. If the answer to every question is Jesus, that at least they got the first thing first. Now, listen to me when you come to church and if God gives us a chance to be in this family together for a long time, I'll use my words to talk about so many things about marriages and about finance and about relationships and about inner wounds that can find healing. But let me tell you, at the heartbeat of hope or help that we'll find with any of those things is the person and the message of Jesus The beginning to find life in any of those areas is first coming to Jesus, to meeting him, putting him first in your life, being able to see the world as he sees it, and beginning to find a new way of living in all of those arenas. What is it that we primarily use our words to communicate? It is the word of Jesus. And I'll I'll just tell you, I'll show you here. John, he was always struggling. That's why he started out his book the way he does. And then he wrote a letter a little bit later. I think I put a part of it here. Look, look, he was always trying to figure out how to drive this home. What am I going to tell you about, he said. 
that which was from the beginning sounds kind of like the gospel of John, right? This is first John one. I want to tell you about something we have heard. We've seen with our eyes. We have looked at it just feels like a preacher pounding on the pulpit. Our hands have touched. This is what we proclaim concerning the word of life. This life appeared. I want to tell you, we have seen it. We testify to it. We're proclaiming to you the eternal life, the one that was with the father and has appeared to us. We're just proclaiming to you what we have seen and heard. Because we believe if you will hear and see him, you too will have fellowship. You'll come into God's family. You'll have fellowship with us. What do we talk about? I I think if, if people ask you, what do they talk about there at Lake Avenue Church? And you say, well, he had some story about squirrels, but it just seems like he always talks about Jesus. Then we will not go far wrong. We will not go far wrong. Let me close by just asking a couple of questions. Number one, and I just have such a burden for this. Have you heard a clear witness about who Jesus is? In the midst of all this fuzziness about Christmas, do you know who Jesus is? The eternal Son of God who came into this world, this invasion of time and space by God himself who lived a sinless life, died on a cross for you and for me, and says that all who will believe in him, will trust in him, will find forgiveness of sins and new life. Have you heard a clear word? I I seek to say it clearly. And if my words are not clear enough, will you take this Bible home with you and read through the Gospel of John? Every word in that thing was written so that you might believe that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God, and so that believing in him, you can begin to live, at last begin to live. I I just want to ask you, do you believe that you have heard a clear word about who Jesus is? Because that word can change your life. Second, if you've heard a clear word, do you believe it or not? See, that's that's the issue that Christians have always put in front of people. And some people say yes and become followers of Jesus. And some people say, no, I don't believe it. But at least you've had the opportunity to make a decision. He calls upon you to hear it and then to make a decision. C.S. Lewis would talk about this. He talks about all the things that Jesus said to give witness to himself. And then others have said. And the decision that really stands in front of people, if they'll authentically read the Bible, is, uh, was this Jesus a liar And what he said and others have said simply aren't true. Was he a lunatic (laughs) thinking that he was this son of God Messiah? Was he a legend that other people created about him? Even though John would say, not at all. We saw him. We, We know him. We saw him risen. Or was he the son of God who can change your life? If you've heard a clear word, do you believe it? Or do you say no? And then third, if you've heard it and you believed it, you know the responsibility, don't you? We often try to resist it, but it's simply a part of coming to know God. It it started with these shepherds 
who just went out and said, I can't wait to tell others what I've experienced. <laughs> Angels came and then we saw him. We saw him and they went out telling and telling and telling until it reached to us. And you and I have become witnesses. Remember, I asked you to take your folder out and just put initials of someone who passed the message to you. Would you put underneath that perhaps the initials of someone you know whose life just really needs to be transformed and to whom you might bear witness to say, God loves you and there is hope. John, verse 18, the end of his prologue. No one has ever seen God except, except one has. God, the one and only. The only begotten Son of God. God, the one and only. And he makes him known. And when you believe on him, you begin to see. You are made alive. You're born again. You're made alive to God. I'll leave you with a story. Keep bringing up these wonderful children's stories. Uh, Narnia, my favorite of the C.S. Lewis Narnia books is um, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I think boys like that story. Seafaring tales. I like them. And this is one of those. And uh, this is a wonderful story where going through tough, tough times, they wondered where Aslan was. And finally, they just, the choice to believe in him happened. And this is what happened. Oh, Aslan, said she. It was kind of you to come. In the midst of all the trouble. I have been here all the time said he, but you have just made me visible. Aslan, said she, almost a little reproachfully, don't make fun of me, as if anything I could do would make you visible. It did, said Aslan. Don't you think I would obey my own rules? You see, by believing You see by believing. And so the word has gone forward. If you will believe, you will see and live. What do we do at Lake Avenue Church? And what do we as followers of Lake Avenue Church do? Colossians 1.28 We proclaim Christ. For when we do and people believe, people begin to live to his glory, to his glory. Amen. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, I pray that your good news has been clear this morning. Sought to be faithful to it. Speak as simply, as clearly as you've enabled me. But now, Father, empower those words through your spirit. For those of us who have been having doubts and yet really have a relationship to you, may this be a, a day of reaffirming, Father, that we believe we are Christians. Father, for others who have come today who have never had a genuine, authentic, personal relationship to you and have never seen you and yet long to, may this be the day that they simply say, I know I need to know God, that people will bring their sins to you, place their faith in Jesus, and begin to see as they have never seen. And then, Father, for each of us, give us the courage.
to use the words that you've entrusted to us to point others to Jesus. That many, through our witness, may believe. In Jesus' name.